Welcome to Gamestorming Lab. I am Sophia Syed, and this is my good buddy, friend, pal, David Pigeon. I'm glad. I'm glad you came um, in because it would have been. Yeah, awkward. I was a bit. I was a bit concerned. I was like, "Is he gonna intro me, or <laughs> am I intro me?" Yep. Um. So right, right up top, we'll just say this is our second take at doing this podcast. Yeah. So. Um. You go. Sure. Uh. So what happened was we we were all going well with the software we were using to record, and then. Suddenly, the software decided that not nah, it wasn't having any of that shit, and it crapped itself. So yeah. we've looked at your suggestions already and sort of covered some ideas, but we're going to go over them again and maybe even, yeah, you know, come with fresher ideas. Yeah, or the same ideas, and they won't know that they're not fresh. Yeah, we'll act like they're real fresh. Yeah, like whoa, we're um, smart. Oh, we almost forgot to go over it this time again. Um, so this this podcast, the basic gist of it is that we are going to get ideas from people, like crowdsource suggestions, yeah. uh, and then we're going to pick pick a couple, mash them together usually, or maybe not, and make a game out of them. Like, basically take about half an hour to design a game, um, leaning more towards role-playing games or storytelling games. Yep. And, and um, I'll so, say we will probably end up coming with multiple ideas, and maybe we'll just narrow it down to one to sort of refine and play. Although... I feel like that's a place where we could get suggestions as well. Like, what game do you want us to see, you know, actually yeah, play sure. in the next session or something like that? Yeah, that would be too. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Oh, and we should mention that, you know, we're on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, yeah, everything's at G-Storm Lab. Yep. And face, Facebook, GameStorming Lab. And we're not just saying this so you can like us. We want your suggestions as well. I mean, we want you, we, we want you to like us as well. On a personal level and on a social media yes. level. Please like me. Is it, <laughs> is a good like show. Me. G- give me um, validation. Yes. <laughs> Finally. Um, and yeah, uh, gstormlab at gmail.com is the email address. Yep. So in this first so, half hour, we're going to... So we're splitting it into sort of two acts. And the first half hour will be the storm, as it were, where we're just going to throw As in ideas. brainstorm. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I get it. No, I don't. Please explain. Oh, okay. Well, um... No. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're just going to throw ideas at the wall, see what sticks, see what's cool, see what yep. isn't cool, but, you know, push yeah. through anyway because we're stubborn. Oh, all your ideas are cool. Oh, yeah, I know. All my ideas are cool. Not you. Oh. The, the you that's listening. Ah, oh, okay. Our ones of listeners. All right. Our whole so single it's... digits. And then yep. in the second oh. half hour, we are going to sort of refine those ideas into something that hopefully... We can play in the second episode. Yeah, well, hopefully we're going to pick one and just sort of narrow in on it and make it something yep. playable. That sounds pretty good. I reckon yeah. we might, it might even be one or two, because again, if we get a few that we just really like, we could always leave it up to the viewers which one we actually play yeah. next episode. That's true. All right. And, and hopefully we'll be bringing in uh, guests and friends and stuff to play games with us. Yep, you know, famous people like that guy that I know and that guy that David knows. Oh, has. yeah. That's your brother. Oh, yeah. He's famous <laughs> in my household. And uh, um, so, actually, if you do have any interest in playing games, just let us know, too. Yes, because be we'd cool. love to play with you. And yeah, we'd love for you, you to especially. completely break whatever brilliant ideas we have. Oh, God. Uh, moving on, let's look at the suggestions now and see what we came up with and can come up with. Let's do it. Um, okay, so the first one was from... My friend Mike, who also goes by Kelthorn online, um, he had three ideas he sent us. The first one was one, 
An RPG where you play a spirit and can possess other beings, which yeah, is pretty sweet. It is. I mentioned sort of, I was reminded of the video game Geist, but I think we, we talked about how we could make it more like you possess inanimate objects or something, which would be yeah, interesting. Yeah, there's a Beauty and the Beast type scenario. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you just yeah. you just love bringing up that candelabra. I do. You know what though? Life would suck as a teapot. Life would suck as pretty much any of those things. Like, weren't they? Yeah. Weren't they turned into things and sort of stuck for years? In they the, were cursed or something. Yeah. Is, that's sort of like the definition of hell. Like every day you're getting hot tea <laughs> poured into you. You're like, end this torment. Yeah, please. Please just roll me off fr- the table. Free me from these tenons. Yep. And they're all just happy and cheerful and laughing, but in the inside they're dead. They are dead. They yeah. are dead inside. If they could die, they would. They have lost all semblance of you. Anyways, so... P- well, that took a dark turn. <laughs> number two. Idea number two from Kelthorn. Uh, is an RPG where there's no combat and you play as a civil engineer and build things. Yeah, RPG so, SimCity, he said. Yeah, uh, this one's really fun to play around with because most RPGs are just about killing or... Yeah, this really caught our imagination things. last time. Yeah, so we were thinking about... Um, I was thought. Uh, sorry, I was reminded of a Marvel comic series. I still don't know what the name is. What are they, was where, it like Damage Inc. or something? Yeah, Damage Crew, something like that. Maybe wrecking. Yeah, re- wrecking crew. They come in after the heroes destroy everything and they try to fix it. Yeah, so that's I don't know. what I was immediately reminded of. Plus, obviously, the SimCity thing that was mentioned. Um, and yes, yeah, so yep. you you mentioned something about kaiju as well, didn't you? Damage control. Um, yeah, I, I, instead of like superheroes smash up the city, I imagine what if it was kaiju, and like yeah, uh, and I you love have that. to not only do you you have to rebuild buildings, but you have to make them more effective against them. Like build defenses, you have to build. Yep, um, and and I, I I think I mentioned even just making like practical living like arrangements for people who live in like yeah kaiju exactly prone ha- cities. Like every and you evacuate a skyscraper. Every building just has an escape hatch built in. It's like, ah, oh, Bob, the kaiju's attacking again. Better activate the escape hatch. Head to the <laughs> underground bunk- bunker. Uh, the kaiju's wild today. Yep. Um, Man, and then the insurance the... in that sort of society would just be like pulling the hair out. It'd be crazy. Yeah. Um, and then we go to the third idea, which kind of led us in a different direction with the second idea. It did. Which was an RPG where you play as a member of a mystic order with psychic powers and a laser sword. I'm laughing because, once again, it's totally ripping on something else. Oh yeah, obviously. This is a very clear allusion to 2001 A Space Odyssey, the very famous science fiction film. But weirdly enough, not the sequel 2010. Yep. So, we don't want to make yeah. it anything like that. And I think... No. I think I was the one who had the, the, the bright idea to just sort of mash it with number two. So, I love a good mash. Yeah, it, it made it interesting where they're like, um, oh, so the basically the, the mental path we went down was like, the Mystic Order are the people who repair things, and they use the laser swords for repairing things, and they can't kill anybody. Yeah, so you've got this amazing superpowered team of mystical, you know, laser users, they're going to land on Let's your planet. Let's call them Shmedai. Shmedai, yeah, sure. They're going to land on your planet, they're going to take out these hulking big laser swords and be like, yeah, alright, we can build a, build a, put a wall up here, you know, get some structural... Yeah, let's put some rebar in. Yep, they take out the sword, they just start cutting rocks, and just for the next few hours, you just see see them doing all these amazing maneuvers to cut rocks. That's what they're doing. And not, not only is there a strict legal adjunct against killing things, but there's also like a 
their mystical order prevents them from killing anything. So you've got these yeah. like baby so kaiju running around, being all cute and stuff. Hell, it could and, even be like a spiritual thing. Like if, if they're a mystic order, maybe the kaiju, like maybe they even worship them to some extent. Oh, yeah, that'd that be good. That would be pretty cool, I think. Or they like, yeah, I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. I can't think of anything better than that. That I reckon that's ever. pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so they yeah. would use their, their laser swords and their powers to... I think we thought maybe they could even build their own workers and such, like literally cut them out of yeah. out of clay or stone and create like gold. Yeah, which kind of brings in that first idea. Yeah, it does to some extent bring in the first idea where you, you think of spirits possessing other beings. You could think of, you know, them putting spirits into inanimate objects and molding them into workers. Basically, imagine the end fight scene from Aliens, except like... It's really half-arsedly put together out of, like, uh, like w- wall remnants and rebar and stuff. And instead of, like, fighting the aliens, they're just kind of, like, knocking them out of the road. You'd be like, i got to build this. Yeah, and, and it'd be interesting. You could have them sort of come in conflict with, like, the native planets. Like, no, we're here to help. There's these big guys that are going to destroy everything. So just let us come in and and, and build stuff. And obviously that's going to yeah. cause problems. Plus, oh, and they even have to, like, defend them. Yeah, if they're, and if they're pacifists, they're going to have trouble with other people who want to attack them. Yeah, so that's awesome. I think that'd be pretty cool. And I can even start imagining sort of mechanical ways to represent stuff like building and yeah, for sure. Stuff. So that would be pretty cool. I think we can shelve that there and come back to it, though. Yeah, yeah, put a pin in it. Yep. Um, next, next idea was from an, uh, another friend of mine, Adam Buckley. Uh, he said, black box character sheets. You don't know what you're capable of until you try, and you don't even know what you look like, with the two points of it. Yep. So the basic gist of it being, yeah, like you don't know what your character is or can do. Yeah, so exactly. my brain, because I'm a huge stinky nerd, went to the X-Men this time. And it was, it was damage control, by the way. Ah, there we go. We we were near yeah. near there. Um, Close damage, isn't it? So I was thinking about how the X Men don't know their powers until they sort of manifest. But then taking that even further, you you said you said something about putting humans. Oh in. yeah. Um. Yeah, they do. It's like human human minds are downloaded, uploaded, whatever you say, into robots. Yeah. So like transhumanism. Ball yeah. Crap. Exactly. Which was uh, something Hayden suggested in yes. incorporating cyberpunk yes. and transhumanist themes. And that's actually really cool. So I started envisioning like this story where. Like, a hundred years ago, you know, human, a bunch of humans are picked, whether due to merit or something else, to just be put into these, like, robot bodies and put into stasis because there's some sort of calamity going on and they're put in there for their survival and then they wake up and they don't even know the capability of their bodies or the, the situation around them. And basically the game is all about exploration and experimentation, not only to learn what's happened outside, but also to learn your own capabilities. I yeah, think that's exactly. really cool. And I, um, I actually, well, I imagine that, like, it's a setting where pretty much everybody got uploaded into robots for yeah, some reason. Yeah, could, it could just be, like, everyone. I, I wouldn't say, like, Except everyone. Like, maybe, like... Oh, not everyone. If you, if you think there's, like, 7 billion people, maybe, like, 1,000 people. And that's still, like, yeah. a lot of people. But it's, like, the rich people got to, like, custom design their robots, and they know exactly what the dealio is. It's like you guys won some sort of lottery. I think you mentioned the lottery idea last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, we and like, there's a there's a factory that just churns out random robot bodies with right. like leftovers. Right. Yeah, I like that. So they don't even know what they're making to automate to speed up the process and automate it. They just sort of 
throw together what whatever they have left. Yeah, exactly. So you wake up and you hand her this character sheet and everything is... You said cards, right? Like yeah, like you have... Cards. Um, yeah. That's sort of your abilities. Yep. And then at certain points you flip them over and find yeah. out what you can do. That'd be sweet. It would be sweet. Or up until you realize your character's garbage. <laughs> Oh, what? Plus five to, mm, you know... There's like an... <laughs> yeah. Uh, pooping. <laughs> you know, can, can right. excrete waste much more efficiently than other robot yeah. players. It's like, all right! <laughs> I'm the oh, best! Yeah. <laughs> uh. um, it kind of reminds me of uh, when I was watching Kamen Rider Forza. Forza, yeah. Um, Forza, sorry. Sure. Yeah, I knew I'd, knew I'd mess it up. I was hesitant. But um, there's like the, I've only seen a few episodes. I need to watch the rest of it. But there's one episode where he gets like a pogo stick leg. Yep. And like the whole shtick of that episode is like, what do I do with this? Yeah, they play it for comedy, and it's pretty funny. And that's kind of the vibe here as well, I think. Yep. And like being robots, you get weird components and just be like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Just you're like Inspector Gadget, basically. Like you just. Yeah. You just don't know what you can do. That's awesome. Okay. Like one one guy gets a freaking machine gun arm, and you check your arm, and it's just a fishing rod. But yeah. then it's like, oh shit, yes. we actually do need fish to survive here. Better get some fish. That'd be great. Because I feel like they still need some sort of sustenance, because they're just like shit robots. Well, yeah, maybe like maybe as as these robots, you're sort of like L- um, literally shit robots, because there will be one that has that that defecating. Efficiency yeah, the pooping power's gonna be in there. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be in there now. Excretor 3000. And I'm thinking, as a way to sort of extend it, after you've found out, like, all your powers, you could even have, like, parts strewn about the land, so you can sort of, like, try and upgrade yourself by salvaging yeah, other for sure. parts. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's So instead that's of, cool. instead of like, experience, oh, yeah. the only way to upgrade yourself is to explore and find, salvage these other parts from old that's ruins cool. and stuff. I reckon that sounds um, super awesome. And, and, like, I'm kind of imagining a bit post-apocalyptic, which is ding, 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 ticking off our, one of our um, buzzwords. Oh, yeah. But you, it could be, like, you're sort of also trying to protect, like, the last remnants of humans, like, still organic humans. Yep. That could be part of so it as well, like, which would be kind of cool. protect, salvage, rebuild, that sort of thing. Yeah. And There's a tagline right there. Yeah. And within that framework, you've got a lot of flexibility for the setting as well. Like, you could go from anything... From like an alien-infested, you know, horrific future yeah. to some sort of savage lands, overgrown jungles, anything, anything that sort of allows you to play out that sort of thing. I think it'd be really cool. You can even start yeah, throwing okay. in things like settlement building, etc., etc. Oh man, I'm excited for this. Yeah, that's a good sign. Okay, next one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think yeah, shelve that. But that's probably the front forerunner so far. It's pretty cool. Um, okay, next one was from Jason Smith uh, at Jason Smith Arc on. Twitter, and he said the TMT, TMNT ooze creates mutants which use martial arts and weapons inspired by their origin animal to fight a criminal mastermind. Um, I wonder if that's a reference to. I can't figure it out. Yeah, um, I think it's a reference to 2001: A Space Odyssey. Famous. No, I'll stop. <laughs> I'll stop that. Anyway, so I was having trouble with this one. At first, I was just like, weapons inspired by the origin animal. So, like, like what? Did, did, did... I actually can't. I'm thinking about it now. I kind of love the idea of like weapons inspired by animals, yeah, like so a dog blade or whatever. A dog blade. So, so you wake up. You're a half human, half dog, and then you're like, okay, I'm 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 gonna grab I'm gonna grab my grandfather's skull and carve it into into a blade. Yep. 
and like you know, way of the ninja. Forgive me, grandfather. Yeah, and then I've like, made you that get... joke before, but I just I know it's but it, it's gold. So <laughs> and you're like, you see the bad guys, and you're like, ooh, this is gonna get a bit rough. Oh God! Uh... Please get out. <laughs> Please, I'm gonna mute you now. I'm not gonna uh, listen to yes, you the rest of the, yes. the 45 minutes. Just so yeah, you. Safira's unsubscribed from his own podcast yep. before it's finished recording. Yep, I'm gonna unsubscribe, unlike, unfollow from my, from this podcast. I will not have what you're selling, sir. <laughs> you right. love it. Okay, um, so that does. I don't think that one really cool, lights a fire. Yeah. Um. Well, I did come up with a very, sort of tangential idea, which I was talking oh, about. Oh yeah, you again. did too. Um. So I was thinking just about TMNT in general and the kind of media monster that it is and the way it's had yep. such staying power due to the sort of the iconography and the designs and such. And I was thinking, what if instead of like you wake up as this mutant, very marketable creature, instead of becoming like a hero or something, you decide, hey, I'm going to sell myself and become like a rich and famous, you know, capitalistic style or something you know what i mean you, yeah you're gonna boost a gold exactly you're gonna boost a gold it so you, you you're gonna sign sponsorship deals you're gonna get your face on cereal boxes so this is where we're starting to get like really meta and stuff but all within the framework of this world yeah so i think that would be really funny and i think you probably still have to fight ninjas occasionally yes but then again you would you be doing it more for popularity points you know what i mean yeah exactly oh that's cool and um, yeah, I think that would be uh, an interesting way to go about playing with the the, the Ninja Turtle conceit, in a meta way, definitely, yeah. but not not in a it's way that like, work. It's kind of like it's kind of like BoJack meets TMNT. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I'm gonna be rich yeah. and famous. You know, rather than looking at this as a curse, I have to go into, I have to go live in the literal sewer and sulk, and then come up. Sometimes to fight these ninjas that coincidentally live here. It's like, I'm no, gonna, no, I'm going to have a lot of perfumes. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really funny. Yeah, that'd be sweet. You know, that'd be so, sweet. You know Splinter, Warthog, Warthog for men. Yeah, Warthog, Warthog yeah. for men. Uh, <laughs> I just imagine, yeah, I can imagine, like, who was the Warthog? Was there one of them was a Warthog? There was a Warthog. It was um, one of the villains. Bebop or Rocksteady? It was uh, one of those two. Like, it's one of those duels yeah, I don't, know. don't know. I don't which know which one's one which. which. Um, like Batman and Robin. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> I just... <laughs> <laughs> I just keep imagining, like, Robin yeah, is like the in bat, a t- right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, because they fly and the yeah. bat flies. Um, I keep imagining, like, yeah, the warthog in like a tuxedo being real, like, suave and just advertising campaigns and stuff. Yeah, and I love that because that's just like such a striking image. And exactly. you sort of measure the player's success by things like fame and money and such. And the fights yeah, would all cool. just be like a small subset of it. So again, we're going with minimal combat. The combat's there, yeah. but it's minimal. Yeah, it's it's. It's almost like you know, very world, simple. Um, worldwide wrestling, the RPG. Yeah, I'm sort of cribbing from that a bit as well, because again, your okay. aim is to create a fake persona, and bank mm. on that, and make you know, make yourself known on that. Well, yeah, there'd be a little little element of like the dichotomy between like the real you and the yeah, stage exactly. Because then you go back and you're like, oh wait, I've had this whole life before. I, you know, I was a mutant. If you start as a human, if you start as a rat, then I guess it doesn't matter. Oh, that's an interesting concept too. Like, can you imagine an animal that gets turned... Like, that's how it works. But an animal that gets turned to a humanoid thing. Yeah. And can suddenly, like, enjoy all life's luxuries. Yeah, like, if I was, like, a rat and I was suddenly this human, I'd just start eating and and fornicating nonstop. It's like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah. So basically living my life. Yeah. Basically living David's life. 
Says the no. guy making a podcast about creating role-playing games. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've really got it going on. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that's that's really good. I think we put that on the shelf for now. Yep. Um, well, these are all pretty solid so far. I think so. Okay, what do we got next? We got uh, two ideas from... Do you want to read any of them? Uh, you know what? You're you're doing good with the reading, so... I'm okay, sorry, sweet, sweet. We got two ideas from Steve D, a.k.a. Steve Darlington. Uh, he, uh, his first one is Bottle RPG. The players cannot leave the central location and no significant NPCs can enter or exit. I like the fact that it's players, not um, player characters. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's the intent, but I'm imagining it like that now. I mean, it could always be both. And yeah. I feel like something like this would only be like a single session game as well. Just like a bottle episode of a TV show. For sure. I mean, it just it feels just kind of like a little LARP. Yep, exactly. Of some kind. But just a very um, light LARP, so you don't need to show up in full chainmail and... Yeah. With your broadsword and start going, what ho? <laughs> Hail and well met. I, I know people like that, so... Yeah. Yeah. They're cool, they're I've cool. I've always wanted to be one of those people. Oh, really? It's a bit oh, much for me, cool. but... Yeah. I, I, I like that they like it, if that makes sense. Yeah, the enthusiasm is cool. Yep, it's infectious. I can't tell whether I would be into it or not, whether I'd be like, I feel ironic. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're already like it when we play regular RPGs. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> a little too ironic. A little too uh, ironic. So the next idea is RPGs for large groups that aren't just LARPing. Like, could 100 people around a long table do the same dungeon crawl? Yeah. And it's... it's Really difficult to imagine that in a way that doesn't just devolve into like twenty different sub games. Yeah, that's like my mind went straight to okay, everyone's entering the same dungeon from different entrances, and maybe yeah. they'll intersect or they'll affect things that other groups will then be able to look at. But then you're just sort of running separate games, essentially. Oh, here's here's my ridiculous idea. Yeah. Um, it's like every, so. Okay, let's say you've got a hundred people. Um, so what's let's say there are five characters. What's 20 people. Oh, uh, be- oh, okay. So, like, you got five characters. Okay. 20 people per character, and they oh, do, like, Jesus. a blind vote. They each get, like, a set so of cards with actions on them. This is Twitch Plays Pokemon, except as a tabletop game. Twitch Plays D&D, yeah. With 100 people IRL. in one room. <laughs> Jesus. That'd actually be Take really amazing. That'd be amazing. I'm just... And so, like, they all, yeah. they all blind vote on it. Like, they, they can d- talk for a little bit. But at the end of the so, day, it's everyone like putting down cards actually, for that's, options. That's, all, that's pretty cool because th- this now we're sort of entering like more board game territory. Like if you think of stuff like two rooms in a boom, where you put people in a room and you get them to vote yeah. on stuff, but then putting it to a story purpose, that's pretty cool. I do, yeah. I do actually like that over there. Even if you took it down in scale to like a game where it's like one hero. Yeah, you could call and it. And everybody like, was like, you know, the voices in your head or something like that. Yeah. And everyone is a voice in his head. And I yeah, think everyone there's, gets there's already like a game like that called Everyone is John. Yeah, just, I've always wanted to play that. Just expanding that to like a lots of people voting, ra- rather than maybe having their own goals, they should sort of vote on what the character does, I guess. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That would be interesting. Actually, yeah, Im- yeah imagine just one character and a hundred people. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, move your left arm and pick up cup, and he just ends up shitting himself. <laughs> We have to be a bit more specific than that. <laughs> yeah, but okay. it's just like yeah, it's like ninety-seven votes for dab. Yep. <laughs> three three um, votes for open the door and go outside bedroom, and ninety-seven yeah. votes for yeah. dab. Three votes for save mentor. Yep. Ninety-five <laughs> votes for you know. K- 
shit uh, mental. Yeah, do the Gangnam Style dance. <laughs> Just bring about those choice memes. Yep. Um, that'd be crazy. I actually, I actually would like to explore that idea more, but not right now. <laughs> type yeah, thing. there's there's no feasible way we could even play that right now. No, it would be really interesting to see done though. It would be. So I feel on a like smaller scale. Someday we could like in future podcasts we could always pull out old ideas and see if we can do something with them. Oh yeah, definitely. Because we don't um, want to throw okay, away all these fully sick ideas. These gems. Of these, yeah, these sweet, delicious gems of gamertude. Um, okay, next was Hayden Tonycliffe, who said cyberpunk or transhumanism as an element, I which reckon we sort of addressed. nailed transhumanism. Like, definitely. we just nailed it. As for cyberpunk, um, um, we haven't really touched on that yet, but nothing sort of sprung up. Maybe we can mash it together with something to do something interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, what was the next one? Nathan Russell said, Dirty... Uh, dirty. Dirty? Dirty <laughs> Princess? Well, I've been working on a role-playing game for many years called Dirty Princesses. Ah, so okay. Automatically associated with that. Fair enough. Uh, but Disney Princess, the RPG. Cool. Okay. Which, um, when we, t- we talked about like, we mashing were, that into when the... When we were talking about my TMNT idea, we were talking about mashing the Disney Princess thing in. Which is kind of fascinating. Um, yeah. I don't exactly know how it works, but it's... Something in there seems cool. Well, I think if you imagine like sort of a fable setting where every every one of these characters are real and sort of in the same world, and yeah. they're sort of in this case, I guess, competing to gain power. I guess, and the way they gain power is the same way Disney gains power through through marketing and yeah, through fan love. Yeah, exactly, and that would actually be pretty interesting. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but I'm going to move on from that one. Okay. Uh, Hans Otterson said, an RPG that's designed to tell a memoir of someone at the table. That's that's really interesting, but um, yeah. I'm struggling to think of something straight away for that. That's t- too indie for me. Too indie, um, yep. It's, really good. it's a really powerful idea. I, like, I had an idea for a, a story game type thing I wanted to do ages ago called The Bridge. Yeah. And the basic gist of it is it's a man jumping off a bridge. Um, but the game takes place in those moments where you like flash back to his life and what brought him to this decision. Ah, uh, that's really cool. Yeah, I could see and, that like, being. And each, yeah, each player would take on like a role of sort of uh, not an aspect of his life, but like kind of an aspect of his life. Like one player would be guilt, one player would be anger. You know, like, but yeah. not in like an inside-out type way. And would it have like sort just of a, a really heavy ending? Like, can you stop him from jumping, or does he does he still jump? I think the jump is probably inevitable, which is, is kind of rough. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that is, it's an idea I had years ago that I haven't really fleshed out. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's and then interesting. We, we have one more idea from a person called Sophia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, well, what if this game is all about lying your way through a job interview? Oh, yes, this was inspired by our very talented friend, Ben. And uh, he of the marketing degree. He, he of the marketing prowess, the marketing mogul Ben. <laughs> who wrote on his resume that he had a marketing degree and then had to go into an interview and pretend he did have one because he didn't have one. Because he never had a marketing degree. Yep, and we're never going to let him down for that. Especially to, to if give him some credit, he claims... Oh, no, that'd be so good. <laughs> to give him credit? Can we just call it the, ben- the Benedict experience? Sure. Or Perfect Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so to give him the benefit... Of of a little bit of doubt, he did say that he, he had done some marketing work, but I don't know how legit that was. Okay, so what I'm imagining here is you get players to design a character sheet, which is basically a resume, 
and then you give them yep. scenarios where that resume does not fit at all. You get what I'm oh, saying? Oh, that's cool. And then yeah, they yeah. have to somehow talk their way talk their way into the job. Maybe they get the job, and even then, they have to somehow survive in that job for as long as possible without having any of the required <laughs> skills. So it's that's like a D and D character. You can fly a plane, use, but yeah. it's like a D and D. It's like a D and D character who's really good at fighting, trying to roll charisma. Except in, yeah. in this sense, it's, it's actually like a resume, and they've got the job, and now they have to somehow. <laughs> That's yeah. actually really cool. Um, that could it's kind of like, fun. have you ever played Baron Munchausen? The story I haven't of played it, I've heard of it. It's kind of like that, in a way, where it's like, you've got these facts, and you can be questioned on them, and you have to just like spin out that's, yeah, like, that's improv around it. That's definitely what I'm thinking. It would be definitely reliant. Like, obviously, they have their sheet to tell them what they're good at, what they're bad at, but they have to improvise to sort of make that work for whatever skills they actually need. I feel like if we do this game, it should be called My Greatest Weakness, with a question mark. Yeah, that's great. I love it. (laughs) Uh, Uh. My greatest weakness, I would say, is my willingness to excel. Yeah, Yeah, my greatest weakness is I try too hard. Yes, my greatest weakness is that I overshadow all the other candidates in this interview, and I feel quite bad for them. I pity them, even. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that's Uh. that's, that's a perfect name for it. And I definitely want to come back to that because I think that'd be super. Okay, fun. well that's that's it for the moment. Yeah, we've got a bunch of really great ideas, so that's the. Yeah, storm. I was. I was honestly a little bit concerned that we wouldn't get good enough ideas first episode out, but we've gotten some if, if juicy anything, stuff. We have too many juicy tidbits of ideas. Yeah, I think if, if idea these ideas stakes. have a weakness, is that there's too many of them. Yep. Um. So which one do you like? Because we're gonna. I think we've got to narrow in on one now. Yeah. What are you feeling? Um. I'm. Definitely, I think I'm on the same page. I'm definitely feeling that transhumanism one because while it's probably the the least uh, unorthodox of the ideas we've come up with, um, it definitely suits itself to a really sort of a fully fleshed long-term sort of game. Yeah, and exactly. I love, I love the way that it works in uh, not knowing your character sheet in both a mechanical and a narrative way. Mm. Um, definitely. Um, you could even have like elements of the character sheet that appear that are like purely narrative. Yeah. So like um, scars or paint jobs or uh, yeah, like, you evidence could, of past. You could stuff. say those are sort of like the dud cards, but they're not necessarily duds because you could somehow use that, like you said, to to flesh out your character when you flip that card over. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we should. Um, I think we're both on the same page with picking this one for the main yeah, one. I actually love most of the other ideas we came up with, but... Yeah, they're really good. Uh, let's put them on the shelf. We've got them and recorded. And we're actually pretty much spot on the half-hour mark. Awesome. So, so we're going to stop here for a sec and gather our thoughts and come back with a game. Yep. Excellent. Well, we're going to yeah start designing the game anyway. Yep. Baby. Um, okay, and we're back, and we sort of really started getting hey. into it, and then went, oh wait, yeah, we, we should sort of started saying some shit. stuff that probably should have been on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we should only really give ourselves like a yeah, minute we... for that stuff. So we came up with yeah, a name. Yeah, not too long. David has a good we... name for it. Yep. You, you want you want to say um, the name? Or? Yes. Well, we're I mean, basically I can, ripping I can take the name credit off. if you want. So no, no, it's all good. I'll... <laughs> well, we're essentially ripping the name off from the original idea, which is, um, Adam said, black box character sheet. So I think 
Black Box is a thematically appropriate name because it's like we survived the crash. Um, yeah, like and uh, we spun it into sort then of. Then Sophia like, suggested, yeah, into an actual concrete thing. So you you start the game in a black metal box, no light, you can't see anything, and then it opens, and that's when the GM starts setting the scene, describing your surroundings, and you see these other black boxes start to open with other characters, and these are the other player yeah. characters, and that's where we begin. In whatever, and that's sort of. I think that's probably the point that character creation starts. Yep. So like immediately before that, with character creation, I I like the idea of character decks, and we were thinking yeah. to sort of on the backs of these cards have categories of the types of abilities that they might contain. For example, there might be utility cards like the the shit the shit module. I'm sorry, I keep coming back to that. Uh, mobility <laughs> so cards good. for different movement. Um, attack like, cards. Um, yeah, offense, defense, construction cards, um, vision, like vision modes or vision, whatever. Like, um, so, and we're not gonna like clearly define where on the body these go, just the function they have. So, a card might just say like you know flamethrower or something, but it won't say flamethrower arm or flamethrower leg or something yeah. like that. And that gives the player agency to create their own funky shaped robot. Yeah. So I think the idea was that we'll let the players draft at the start using just the backs of the cards. So they'll have an idea of the types of sort of the, the, the types of stuff that they've got on their body, which we can sort of uh, justify as like they can see themselves maybe. So they can see what kind of, but they don't know the capabilities of these parts. And then as yeah, they flip exactly. them over, so this guy flips over Flamethrower or some sort of mobility card, he can decide what form that takes on his body. So he yeah. doesn't. you don't have to be some humanoid guy. You could end up taking a bunch of mobility cards and be this sick-ass, crab-legged, you know, robo Yeah, big spider bot. Yep. And like each of your legs is, or whatever. is one of your, you know, mobility cards. And one of your legs is the Flamethrower. And then one of your legs you poop from. Oh yeah, gross. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's just like like the second leg uh, from the left and everyone always forgets which is your poop leg. And you always shake yeah. hands with that one and then laugh. And people are like, fuck, it was the poop leg. Wasn't Why it? is he laughing? Oh, not again. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, so that way we, we work in character creation but also the randomness that we want. But it's not too random because players get a choice in the types that they get at the start. Yeah. And like we were saying... That's pretty good. We want players to be able to salvage parts as they go. Like, it won't be easy. They're going to have to go into, like, ruins and hostile, dangerous areas and hunt for these yeah. treasures. And there they might find upgrade modules, which maybe make the existing parts stronger, or just replacement modules where they can... Decide, and you might find, like, you know, I'm imagining, other robots to kill. Yeah, I'm imagining that a player starts with maybe, like, five or six slots maximum. Yeah, that's what and I'm thinking. getting more slots is in itself like an upgrade card. It's like if you find like yep. a blank card, that's that's like a, a slot. And now you can now put another part in that if you find another part. Yeah, for sure. And like you should have some sort of baseline um, like capabilities in terms of fighting and moving and stuff. Yeah. I think on the cards, um, besides, you know, just putting what they are, we might have some stats for each part. Like, even if oh, it's yeah. just something as simple as, like, a star rating, like, attack, you know, three stars, you know, movement, one star, something That's like that. That's kind of cool. You know what I mean? So they can, at a glance, yeah. look at it and go, okay, this is what it's good for. So in this situation, I can say, well, look, this flamethrower leg obviously has pretty high attack. You can compare it and do whatever. 
Now, t how, how does dice come into play here? Do we have dice in this game at all? For um, first question. Oh, I kind of like the idea of keeping everything card-based. So do I. Um, but I still feel like we need some sort of way to resolve conflict. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, but I mean like a separate deck of cards that's used for like randomization or whatever. Ah, uh, yeah, no, that's cool. Maybe, um, maybe even like uh, the number of stars on the parts defines like how many cards you draw, and then you keep the best one. Yeah, that'd be cool. Something oh like yeah, that. I like that actually. And that really, really simplifies good. it. So no matter what part you have, you can easily look at it and go, okay, this has three attack stars. That means that I'll be able to take the best of three cards. And no matter what stat yeah. it is, it's sort of streamlined into this one system. And because the resolution system is cards, we can also have multiple things on the cards to fit maybe different types of uh, conflicts. Yeah. You know I, I, mean? think, I think that mechanically, um, like different components need to have some wacky and wild shit going on though. Like Yeah, I agree. Uh, where, like, once you flip it over, you go, oh, this actually works in a very weird way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we need we want it to both be flexible so players can come up with their own way to use it, but also give them ideas. You yeah, ideas you want the element of the unexpected. And since we're using cards, that should be really easy, because so, for each card, we can just write a bunch of shit on it. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, so we'll have a block of stats, and the rest of it will just be text. The name of the part, you know, what it can be used for, it, basically just in a descriptive way, you know, yeah, sort, like, of, sort of, um, sense, even sort of prescribing giving, what they can do. Giving like an in-game history of the part. Like, you know what I mean? Like a, a schematic for the module. Yeah, that's as cool. As if cool. that's what you would find in a factory manual for these robots. Yeah. You know what I Actually, mean? Actually, really, that would be a really good aesthetic for the game. Yeah. So again, I, I like wrapping everything back to the aesthetics, even even stuff like that. Cause yeah. it always makes it feel um, more immersive. Okay, that's cool. So at this point, you've got uh, a bunch of cards face down. Yep. Star ratings and tell you roughly what they do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be what stars; else? like it can be numbers, whatever, you know. But uh, I think you got the idea. Um, so that sort of gives us character creation. Uh, now we want to look at sort of the wider, the wider setting scenario making. Okay, so yeah, the aesthetic. I think that the setting of it is an important element. Um, I keep going back to like Junk World in my head. Uh, um, I don't know exactly what that means, though. Is that a specific yeah, it's not a, it's not a thing. It's just okay. a term I just made up. All right, that's that's what I okay. Yeah, because um, um, like I said, I was I was thinking of like ruins, like D and D style ruins, but really like sci-fi, you know, post steampunk, something stupid sounding like that. Is that buzzword? Yep. You know what I mean, though. Actually, yeah, I do like I do like the idea though of a world where like, because I mean, if it's if it's a world full of junky stuff. It's gonna be a lot easier to salvage things. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if it's a world that's kind of like devolved backwards into almost fantasy type stuff, or yeah. like I mean, we could pre-industrial. We could give players the freedom to create something like that, but I think for a default setting, uh, it'd be really good to do something like you said, like a junk world sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. So I think there should be other hostile robots getting around. Yes, other hostile robots. Maybe um, do we want to look at maybe like. Aggressive mutated humans, something like that. Like, oh yes, you know what I mean? of course. The ones that didn't of get bodies uh, have evolved or devolved into like really hideous, aggressive monsters. Yeah. Which themselves have like not, like like think Dark Sun, like they they have their own sort of sets of abilities and 
They're really nasty. Yeah. Nasty business. Maybe some psychic powers or whatever. As yeah, every well, that, that's, never does. that's why I said Dark Sun, because like everything in Dark Sun has psionic powers, which is really cool. But yeah. But yeah, then you're, you're going around here with this very valuable um, body parts, which could be salvaged and used. And everything yeah, is sure. going to want it. So there's there's a reason right there for everything living to be hostile to you, basically. You're, you're, you're made a valuable... I think choice. there should be like... Like a like a oh oh I'm kind of thinking now of like Skynet and Terminator like there should be some sort of bad computer with bad robots. Yeah, that, that like that could, out that there. could be a villain summit. Well, okay, so what I was saying in the break is that I like even even if uh, you're just giving your your players one book like one game without extra scenarios and stuff. Uh, if you can give them something yep. like the Savage Worlds plot point campaign, like Adventure Seeds. Or even like an overarching narrative to your world, and then that gives the players so much freedom to sort of create adventures within a framework. Improvise within between those adventures. Exactly. Rather than having to come up with everything themselves, they've got a skeleton so have like... for like dozens of different adventures, and then they can fill it in, or you can write scenarios to fill it in. But the point is, you're giving them something, like at least on a broad level, complete, and then they can fill it in in whatever way. I really yep. like that approach. Okay. Um, that's a good way to do it. I, I think so you'd have like one scenario that introduces like these mutant dudes and you'd have one scenario that introduces like Skynet whatever yep and they're both part of our sort of our plot point campaign uh, which obviously begins with this hundred yeah. year blackout and then the black box is opening into this junk world yeah and oh, in classic like mentor RPG style you'd have like maybe some sort of AI or something that's like still in the factory that you yeah some sort came of from. really cheerful just like sending you out on quests some, some really cheerful AI like caretaker yeah and it's it's the one sending you out on quests to do stuff yep and it should have like a really sort of twisted outdated viewpoint on things as well because I think that'd be funny yeah that'd you be really I mean? cool and then you actually get there and it's just full of full of mutants and everything's wrong just mutants for days yep but yeah no I can I can see that being really cool um not just mutated people or maybe mutated animals as well and then like you said um rogue AI robotic enemies uh yep hostile environment I think there should be some elements of you could have oh yeah like you know like lots of radiation radiation yeah uh literally one of the one of the utility uh some of the utility parts could be related to radiation like Something to absorb radiation. Yeah, like something being hardened. Read like radar. We could have lots of radars. That'd be cool. Things that like Ooh, yeah, read sensors. the environment in in a survivalist sense. Yeah, sensors, radars, that sort of thing. That's cool. So, um, I I do love the idea of having like an element of you looking after fleshies, like <laughs> squishy squishy people. Yeah. Um, as well, I think there should be like some element of that. Like, well, like you kind of have to protect this. Like maybe even in the factory. There's like a, a tribe of people who like kind of worship this computer thing, and part of it is you protecting them. Okay, so we're we talking about like the AI or the computer that. Yeah. You know, so okay, so you've you've got your factory right that you wake up in. Ah, uh, yeah, yep. And there's an a, there's an AI kind of running the place, uh, and yeah, there's yeah, a bunch AI, of I, like I was confusing humans the, who worship it as a god. I was confusing with the rogue AI, but yeah, no, I get you. Right. So th these and are like maybe you're right, doing missions to help them. They don't want to. Yeah. They don't want to kill you because they worship the AI, and the AI obviously is with you. It's like hey, these guys are good. Yeah, pretty much. These are the good robots. So the AI is basically god to them, and you are like the demigods, the the, the gods' children. You're gods' children. Yep. That's what they call you. Exactly. 
oh, we should have a translator yes. module and things like that as well. So <laughs> things that allow oh, you to yes. communicate with different mutants, mutant tribes, the people especially, in the factory. Yeah, especially because they speak like whatever weird-ass language they speak and yep, you speak exactly. E-L-E English. Yeah, equivalent. exactly. So no one should be able to communicate up until they can actually get yeah, that's cool. translator technologies and interact with these. All, all their communication is like through pictograms and yep. gestures. So I was talking about the, the plot point thing. So we, we would have like a few the different scenarios within it. We would define some of the major locations. Like we, we can already think of some, like you said, the rogue AI sort of place. Um, different yeah, it has environments. Uh, mutant strongholds and such. We, even like sort of towns in a sense. Like, yeah, the Radfields. Yep, the Radfields. Um, uh, places where you can... Yeah, townships. Yeah, townships. Ruins where you can salvage... Uh, find like lots of stuff to salvage even like uh wilderness like robotic wilderness where you can like okay i'm thinking of uh, uh, horizon zero dawn here but where you're, you're hunting yeah. uh robotic like creatures almost and salvaging parts of them as well yeah like yeah yourself. robots that are like big construction bots and stuff that are just sort of like yep follow very simple protocols but they're still following them yep exactly and sort of kind of like um a little bit of um uh, bubblegum crosses in there for me, but the the rogue, yeah, what are they called boomers? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm imagining the AI basically wants you to go out and salvage stuff to a you know protect your sort of factory here. I think the AI probably wants the factories to get up and running again, but I feel like that's going to be like a really sort of f fruitless goal. You know what I mean? Like, she, he's yeah, always going to try happen. and he's always going to try and do it, but it's always going to be something that's just out of reach. But another goal, I think, yeah, it's, should it's be... It's too far damaged, so there's not the resources. Another goal should be to create sort of a settlement around the factory, so, like, rebuild a, sort of a society. Is The aim of the robot is to rebuild a society, but in reality, what you'll be doing is creating a really ramshackle sort of settlement or community made up of your black yeah. boxes and the, the new humans that worship the AI. And then maybe you'll go the out... The Newmans? The Newmans. Uh, yeah. yeah, sure. That's terrible. That is terrible. We're not calling them the Newmans, because that just invites terribly on unoriginal Seinfeld references. N-U-M-A-N-S. Newmans. New humans. <laughs> um, and maybe even, you know, search for other black boxes. We could have NPC black boxes. Search for other, you know, humans that have some semblance of... Yeah, for sure. I think that I think the other two elements I'd like to include would be like we talked about um, the rich people who got robot bodies. So there should be like a society ah, yes, somewhere that's yes. kind of utopian. That would definitely be part where of they're it. kind of ignorant. Yeah, and then there also should be like um, some sort of independent, not hostile but not friendly, like robotic culture. Okay, so like, like... Th there should be some sort of robot society out there somewhere. So we're talking about like AI that just sort of rebuilt itself with its own community. Um, maybe not even AI. Maybe just like individual robots that have done their own thing. I don't okay, know. Okay, but like, I mean, the robots would have to have AI to to do that. Oh yeah, like yeah. artificial intelligence. Of some well, kind. unless there are, unless there are people in them who went like away from the rich thing or. Yeah, that works too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I like the idea of the, the yeah. rich people community. They they could sort of be in this really sort of gated. Uh, closed they're off. On, they're on the moon or something. Oh yes, yes, they're on the they're on the freaking moon. That's great. Yep. I love it. <laughs> but 
long term goal. And at some point you have to go there. Yes. Like really long term goal is is being able to salvage the parts to build a spacecraft that yep. survives, you know, exiting the atmosphere so you can reach this settlement. That can be like one of the Get sort your of ass to the moon. The end game goals to the sort of plot plot point campaign is to yeah, discover cool. what happened to the elites. Okay. I like I, it. I really like that. And another sort of overall goal might be to stop this rogue AI because it poses a threat to yeah, all living things. It's slowly chewing up everyone and everything. Yep. And maybe a third goal is to just establish uh, civilization on the surface of the Earth. Yeah, so, you and the Newmans. Yep. And that could go about in any sort of way. You could start killing all the other mutants. You could try to, you know, bring them to your cause. You could just, you know... It's, it's up to you yeah, how you want to approach should... it. There should be a lot of complex like goals in there where you have yeah, to like, yeah. and worry about environmental these... stuff and like yep. infrastructure and exactly and that's where all the different yeah. parts you have come into play because you can use them to you know get a sense of how things how things yeah. work like the environment Choice. and parts and such. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, so I think we should dig a bit more into mechanics. Sure. Uh, what um, what angle did you want to tackle that from? I'm not sure. I mean, I think the basic mechanic I'm seeing in my head is like, like you said, you have a star rating for the components. Yeah. So, like, let's say you're doing a a test of sensors or vi- vision or detection or whatever. Yeah. You um, you total up all your sensors and you draw that many cards. Mm-hmm. And maybe like cards are just random. Like from the main deck, it's just cards are random numbers or something. Yep. Like, and and so you're trying to beat a total difficulty value. Or some of that. Like that's a pretty simple version. Yeah, no, that that sounds pretty good. Uh, at least as a as a base point, that sounds pretty good. Um, but uh, since we're using cards, we could even make it a little more involved. Since uh, it takes away oh, it takes away the complexity from the players. They don't have to worry about rolling lots of stuff and doing maths and looking up yeah. stuff. They can just look at the cards they draw and. Well, what if, what if like you could almost add like a little deck building element where you? Oh, I love that. I don't even know you what have a default yet, deck. But I already love it. <laughs> Each player has a default deck, and then like adding components adds cards related to those components to their deck. Okay. So like, you could when when those cards are up, come up in a draw, you'd like trigger specific effects and stuff. Okay, ex- explain this to me because I'm sort of getting it, but I'm not. So quite like, you'd it. have a, you'd have your base deck, which would have like, uh, you know, like two twos, two threes, two fours, whatever. Yep. In it. And that's your the, the default starting deck. Yep. And so, like, let's say you install... I mean, it will probably apply to upgrade components because you don't want to have too many cards from your starting thing. Yep. But, like, let's say you up, install an upgraded sensor package. You would then, like... You'd get to take... The, the, there'd be a deck of default cards. Like, there'd be a deck of sensor cards that aren't, like, aren't parts. They're just sensor cards. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you, you upgrade to a two-star sensor package. So, you take two of those... Um, sensor cards and you put it, add them to your deck and if you're testing sensors and a sensor card comes up you get like a special bonus yeah okay I or get you that. get some sort of triggered effect that's cool yeah so that's that's one idea and like you could, I mean if you want to get really involved you could have like unique sensor cards like it's it's the same deck shared by everyone. You sort of add some cards from it to your deck, but like one of them could be 
you increase the range. Like your your sensor works and works double range. Yep. So there's a lot like of critical successes, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. I like that. Uh, we definitely we don't want to overcomplicate it, so we can actually make something that we can play. But yeah, I, I like I, that. That's pretty good. You could definitely because if you only have a certain number of like categories of components, like sensors, offensive, defensive, movement, whatever. Um, you could definitely have just a small deck of cards for those, and the cards wouldn't do anything special except like add a critical success. Yeah, yep, I like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Or maybe like instead of having that that uh, functionality be in the cards, you have it be on the components. So I think when a critical success is triggered, then you can do this. Yes, no, that's even better. I think so. Then the yeah, cards can be the cards can be generic, but yeah, depending on what you draw. So we could even yeah. do it with like symbols or something. So if you draw this symbol, yeah, exactly. then it activates this on your part. So the cards will yeah, have cool. a number and a symbol, so like that, that sort of thing. Yeah, number and symbol, and the, uh, if you draw a symbol appropriate to the piece you're using, then you trigger certain effects on Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. And so the, the, okay, cool. the deck building comes into play is that when you get these upgrades, you get to add them to your personal deck. That's how it works, right? Yeah. Yeah, you'd add the trigger cards. Okay, cool. To your personal deck. And then, to give you, yourself a, and then when you have to do a check, you, you draw from that deck, right? Yeah, you draw from your challenge deck, we'll call it. Cool. And is, does the deck have a certain set size? Like, do you have to take stuff out when you add stuff in, or does it just keep getting bigger? Probably would be the way to go, wouldn't it? Because if it keeps getting bigger, that would potentially cause a problem. Yeah, to get too random. Yep. I think, yeah, the deck size should actually be pretty lean. Yep. So, like... You get the opportunity to add two sensor cards or three sensor cards, but maybe you don't want to because you have other good cards in there. Let's, let's you just want to add one of them. Uh, let's say let's say uh, when you when you're drawing for your checks, they get discarded. And once all your cards are discarded, and you make a new deck, at that point you get to thin your deck or something like that. Down. To yeah, that's a good idea. A certain number. So you have to cycle through, yeah, and like then you get to basically recycle and re reform. Re you're rebooting sort of your system and getting rid of the excess yeah, yeah. excess data. I like that. I think that works pretty well. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's it's thematically appropriate. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Okay. So that okay. gives us sort of a way. Um, so we want like not too many categories, but not too few of the types of parts here. So yeah, I'm think, thinking about like six-ish. Yeah, sensor is a good one, and that can include yep. things like sight, perception, you know, that kind of stuff in D and D. If we think. Yeah, yeah, even that, even like get really fancy later on you got like grass chroma gas chromatography and stuff yep like if you your robot's got this really fancy rig for detecting smells that yep. come uh, out of the poop or, or even like stuff like a Geiger counter radiation yada, yada, yeah yada, all that kind of good stuff exactly. is all sensor and of course like the most basic one there will be sight which most people yep. so that one will be something that everyone sort of hopefully <laughs> I feel like everyone has to start with the sight module otherwise they they can't yeah. play the game you know what I mean? <laughs> I refuse to have a site module that you're out of the game, but <laughs> I feel like we we have to like we ha players have to take a core like which is like their body like maybe that's that's nothing that's just their body and then attached yep. to that is at least one mobility module and a basic site module which just lets them see. Yeah, I imagine kind of like a character, um, like not, almost not a sheet, like more like a playmat. Yeah. And so you'd have your core there, and you'd have, like, printed on it, you'd have sight. Oh, yeah, that like, works. So, so yeah, and then, then once they get their first... 
Yeah, and once they get a first better module, they can overlay that or whatever. Yeah, that's good. Cool. So the core, so, yeah. the core should just have... Maybe the core will have site, basic site, basic movement. Something like that. Yep. And it doesn't have any like special, special symbols on it. You can only use it. It's basically human level site and movement. And then we draft for yeah. the other stuff. Okay. So let's let's think of the categories. Back to the categories. We have um, yeah. mobility Sensor. or slash movement. Whatever mobility. Mobility. No, mobility is good because it implies like other stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mobility. Yeah. Sensor. Um, um, I think offense and defense, maybe? Yeah. Um, what would defense be? Like armor. Um, it would be... That's pretty much all I've got. <laughs> that's uh, what I was thinking. Would it be sort of... Energy a, shields. A narrow category. Yeah, um, no, that's true. I mean, we need, to, we do need um, something it, to reinforce the their physical... Yeah, it, it, you could get more in-depth with stuff like... Um, or do we want to sort of roll... The ability to launch chaff and flares and things like that? We could, we could always roll uh, offense and defense into a single category. Just combat, yeah. Not every player has to have an equal sort of offense and defense category. True, true. One player Actually, could that's probably the way to do it. Because you could, you could think like one player could end up as like this super tanky guy with just a lot of sensors and utility and stuff, so... They're playing like a support yeah. class, essentially. And then another character has all the, the offense. So the category, what would we call that? Um, um, probably just combat. Yeah, sounds good. Or for now, anyway. Something like that, anyways. Uh, I can't think of a better word. Yeah. So so, that, so we've got the the physical sort of offense and defense. Yeah, yeah. So it's combat. I think, mobility, I think on the physical side, there should also be something like um, like fine motive skills or something like that, uh, like uh, manipulators. Yep, I like that. Just call it manipulators. Yeah, because then you could have stuff like... This is your dexterity um, like stat, basically. Yeah, tentacles and brush robots and, like, nano swarms. even yeah, if you want to get really fancy later if, on. If you want to get super, super fancy, like, this, the surgical, like, med equipment could be yeah. under that. So... Totally. You want to help out, you know, heal some sort of human dude or, or robot dude. There could be two different parts, one, one for healing fleshies and one for repairing. Yeah, one, one that's mechanic, one that's... Or other robots, which would be really cool. Again, yeah. the whole point of this is to have, like, the super cool flexibility and really unique uh, different characters that you don't get yeah, much absolutely. of a choice of making at the start. Which is great. It's kind of like a, taking the roll 3D6 down the line to a, a different angle. Yeah, but a really narrative heavy, cool angle. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, okay. So, okay, we've got sensors, uh, we've got um, mobility, we've got um, manipulators, we've got combat. Yeah, I'm still I'm still down on um, that name, because everything else sounds so cool, and then just combat. I'm sure we can call it Yeah, we'll, we'll think of something better. Okay, so that's... that's... Uh, right in, tell us a better suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we've like uh, one or two more to cover all the extra yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, you've mentioned utility a few times. Yep. So would we put like and utility every... should be like a catch-all category? Yes, that's what I was gonna say. Utility should be a catch-all. So stuff that yeah, isn't definitely. like like immediately survival useful, but has its own uses one way or another, and doesn't fit into the other categories. Yeah, like um, I think, but I think the stuff like radiation immunity would be something there. Yeah, yeah. Or um, uh, cargo cargo carrying capacity. Yep. So you can think of it as like minor farming equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Farming equipment, yeah. Yeah, you get like a thing that like lets you till and see, like plow and seed a field. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Which would be an interesting thing. Yeah. Um. And, oh, I think I think the sixth category should be like, um, 
like the internals, like uh, electronic stuff, like info. Um, this is your like brain, your, basically. Yeah, but also like your e war type stuff, like your. E-war? Um, you know what I mean, like electronics warfare type stuff. Ah, okay. So kind of like like your brain and your cognitive capabilities, but also your ability to like bamboozle other robots. So like tactics. Uh, hack into other computers. Hacking, uh, yeah. Maybe even like sort of like social stuff, but like wrapped into like programs. You call it something. Yeah, definitely. Call it programs or something like that. Yeah, yeah, or um, apps. I can't think of anything better than programs. <laughs> yeah, apps is good. Well, it's a sort of the same thing, but yeah. program sounds more like formal and stuffy, which is good. Yeah. Um, I think programs is good. Like, obviously, I, I think on the back of like we we or software to, even. Yeah, software. There we go. That's what we want. Software. Yes. Oh, oh. In that case, the combat category is called hardware. Oh yes, perfect. That's it. <laughs> there we go. Hardware and software. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. 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 I like that a lot. Okay. Um. Okay. So yeah, sensors. Manipulators, mobility, uh, utility, hardware, and software. Okay. All right, well... That sounds pretty cool. Okay. With the hardware thing, I, the, okay, I know we just found that name, but it is <laughs> a bit broad. Like, you could sort of say a lot of the other ca- categories are also hardware. Yeah, I know, but it, it's hardware is also used, like, in a sense, to refer to, like, military material and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right, you're right. I think, I think, I think in the context of this, it'll work. Sure. Okay. If I if we come up with anything better, if, yeah. if our if our listeners do, please tell us, because I like the, all the other categories yes. have perfect names. I have no issues with them. If and, if you our listener. Yeah, and I like that utility <laughs> is like a catch-all category because then players may end up with really goofy shit because it'll be you know what you get there is really luck of the draw. Yeah, it'll be funny as. Yep. Exactly. And yes, that's where um, the shit processing unit will be <laughs> in the utility category. Extra max, yeah. And I really hope you get it when you play the game. <laughs> I hope I do too. It'd be a pretty <laughs> shitty part to get. Uh, get out. Uh, that was almost as bad as the other one. Wow. The, 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 I can repeat it now. Um, so, okay. So we've got, we've got a basic mechanic. Yep. We've got character creation. Mm-hmm. We've got and I kind of imagine for this game, like, not having specific combat rules, conflict is just another kind of, like, basically a hardware test. Yeah, so it's resolved in the same way. You draw cards from your challenge deck. Um, if you get the right symbols, yeah. you get to activate maybe certain special abilities <laughs> of your weapons. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And, like... Um, do we have damage to parts? Yeah, we would want to, but we don't want to make them too destructible because we don't want people to lose valuable stuff like right away just from fighting something yeah um and how do we want to yeah how do we want to represent damage do we want to just like say you know put cubes on the cards or something like that that's what i'm thinking and like something simple like that i'm thinking and you'd probably like you'd probably really abstract it where like anytime you're in a situation where you could conceivably be damaged like you fail a test where you could be damaged yeah you just take one damage yeah like, and that goes on one component somewhere. Yeah, but it has so to be like, a component that makes sense. So it can't, you can't damage your yeah, software if your butt been hit, you know, in, in your body. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you've but been I think, hacked I think by a you know. Yeah. Yeah. If, if one of the rogue AI, like, murder bots has hacked you. Yeah. Um, but I think it should be limited to, like, basically one damage per combat. So that, like, what it'll, it'll accrue over time. Ah, okay. And it's cost... It'll, 
And it's kind of costly one, to repair. It, like maybe you have to actually per part or just one damage total per combat. Um, probably one damage total. Okay. Just like, but like it might. I think it should be hard to hard to repair because like any bits you salvage, you can either use them for upgrades or repairs. Right. Right. That's how I'm seeing it anyway. Yeah, no, I like that. I just, I'm struggling with the one damage per combat thing. Like, what if the combat is really protracted? Like, that could happen. Yeah, or maybe it's, maybe make it a bit more abstract. Like, the GM chooses. Yeah. Like, based on the difficulty of the opponents and stuff like that. Yeah, that works. Um, and what about, so the, what about death? I, I think there should be the possibility of death. And the way I'm envisioning is yeah. sort of, your parts protect your core, but then if you're, Certain parts are damaged. They can, uh, they don't protect your core anymore, and that's when your core can start getting damaged. And if your core is destroyed, yeah, I like that. You're dead, basically. It's game over, man. Yeah. But I think maybe you could have like say that you technically have a backup of your personality. Yeah, that works. And wake up out of another black box somewhere, but with a brand new robot. Yes. So that way, um, you can keep playing your character, but it's a completely new character, and it still makes sense. Yeah. So you've got it uploaded. And you lose all your upgrades. Well, yeah, you don't have anything left, unless you That's can, it. you know, find salvage your 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 body. But wherever the black box opens, it's got to be somewhere like way like off on the other side of the planet. Yeah, you know what I totally. Mean? So if they ever want to find their old parts, they have to really put in the effort. Yeah, it has that's to be cool. Its own sort I like of adventure. So yeah, I like that. So the the backup thing is good, uh, and maybe there are even um, certain. Yeah. Like rare upgrades and stuff that let you retain things like software for in case you die that you can carry over to the new black box. Yeah, that's a good idea. Or maybe you've got like, like a, the the AI has a limited amount of storage for backups. Yeah. So like you can back up yourself like twice. Yep. And that's it. So you have to sort of choose when you use those save points. Yeah, that's cool. Um. So back to the damage thing, I was sort of envisioning like you've got a mat right, and you've got your your parts yep. sort of laid out. Maybe you sort of get to lay the cards the way you sort of want. Like, you decide which parts are protecting the core and which aren't. So those parts will That's cool. take the damage. So if you put more parts in front of your core, those are the more vulnerable parts. But they're also, that means that your core is protected by more okay, yeah. tech, if you get what I'm saying. So you sort of choose which parts are inside yeah, and outside. so I'm going to put these two parts in front of my core, like physically, put them move those cards in front of the core. Those are more vulnerable, but that means that my core will be protected. Or on the other hand, I could leave my core completely exposed, but that means that the damage is going to go straight to the core. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, there should be some element of like uh, construction to your robot. Yeah, and that's what I'm imagining. It's the way you, you set up your defense of your yep. core. I like that. Um... Yeah, I think there should be like a limited number of slots maybe per area. Yep, I agree with that. But And again, yeah. this is all stuff that could potentially be upgraded to more slots and stuff. Like For sure. Blank cards or slots, that sort of thing. Yeah. Salvaging. And like and like you might even have like um internal armor pieces that do nothing but like stop damage to your core. Yep. And they're sort of waste they're wasting your slots in a way but keeping you alive longer. Yep. And I think for the the parts, they should have a rarity on them as well. So maybe when you're creating your character, you get uh, a certain number of like common, uncommon, and rare parts. And then 
When yeah. when the when the GM is setting up scenarios and and places to salvage parts, they can decide, you know, is it going to be a rare part oh, here yeah, what's or there? common or common, and where that's going to be. And um, and then when they, I imagine that visually. Oh, you go. Sorry. Uh, I imagine that visually like coloured. So like um, they're either like like white stars or silver stars or gold stars. Yep. On the backs of the cards. Yep. So then, if if the the scenario is you know like a heavily protected server room surrounded by mutant whatever, the the GM can decide. Okay, there's just going to be rare parts there, and then when they break in and they get in there, they can draw from the rare deck. So it's still going to be random what they find, but the power yeah. of it will depend on the deck that they draw from. That's cool. I like that. Yep. I think. And they might even have an idea of like what's going to be there ahead of time, like whether it's worthwhile to go to this yeah, place yeah, exactly. Place. So they might know whether it's worthwhile, but they still don't know exactly what it is, which keeps that element of, like, surprise and exploration there. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's a that's really... Cool. We've got a really solid idea of almost everything there, so... Yeah, I mean, all, we, all we're going to have to do to make this playable is uh, write up some parts, which won't take long, nope. considering they're mostly narrative. Exactly, and then just give them um, stats, which, again, shouldn't be too hard. Yeah, and I mean, like a lot of the a lot of the the critical effects could come up like when they come up in game. It's a discussion between player and GM to be like, "What does this do?" Yep, definitely. Like for some of them, how does this work? You know, what... yeah, for some of the critical effects, we can just sort of write it in a sort of a broader sense, like this this is more powerful or something something like that. And yeah. depending on the context, they can decide. Like in like in the Star Wars RPG, they can decide how it plays out. Like the Star Wars RPG yeah, handles really cool. advantages and threats and complications that sort of thing yep um and should should we have a way yeah, for I'm things to this. fail critically as well potentially oh yeah there probably should be like some some glitch cards in the deck or something, something oh like hang on what if what if damage is not oh, this is another taking a different direction but what if damage isn't applied to your pieces but it's just cards that you add to your deck that makes you fail checks yeah that's pretty cool so those um, could be glitch cards. Some of them could even have like critical, critically fail sort of thingos. Yeah. Um. Okay. And then you. And then. Because that that gets rid of having to like physically track damage. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Again, and, that's doing lots of complicated things. Yeah. With just cards making it easy. So I like that. Um. How do we deal with death? Yeah, though? and you could have it set up so you like. Have to change how that works. Well, if you, if you draw X. Um. Damage in a certain turn. Yes, exactly. So you the more probably... the more damage you accumulate in your deck, and you can't take those out of your deck, the more likely it is that you draw say, yeah. three or four in a row, and yep. that's bad. The only the only way to get them out of your deck is to like trade in certain levels of upgrades. So like you could trade in a rare upgrade. Yep. To remove some damage. Yep. So let's say for example, if you th draw three glitch cards in a row, you have to put one on top of your core, and once your core accumulates a certain amount of glitch. You're, yeah, yeah, you're shut down. You're, you're busted. Like that. that That's cool. cool. I, like, no, I like that. That's a good. Everything is way cards. I really like it. that. Everything is cards because we just need to then design the yeah, cards. Yeah, simplifies everything a lot. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. We have been going okay. for quite a while, I think. I think we should probably wrap it up now. Yeah, for now. Um, I think this is definitely going to be in a playable state by the time we get around to episode two. Oh, yeah. So We'll have to do a bit of work between sessions. Uh, definitely, we will. Right. But we will definitely be playing this. I think we will need players for it as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, least, I think at least two other people would be good. That would be good, yeah. 
to so, one of us GMing it, one of us into one of us playing it, and two others playing it. Yes, exactly. Cool. That sounds good. So if you're excited and keen. Yeah, if you're interested, uh, drop a message on any of the social media places we're at. Yeah, it's um, at GStormLab on Twitter, uh, GStormLab at gmail.com, or GameStormingLab podcast on Facebook. Yep, and thank you so, yeah. so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our... Yeah, hopefully you enjoyed it. You know, non-stop ranting about game mechanics and <laughs> sci-fi notary and all that good stuff. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been really fun recording it. Yeah, it has. Uh, I hope the audio file, you know, works. <laughs> uh, do we need some sort of sign-off? Uh, yeah, that's it. Good. Bye. See ya.